It is at the last latter part of the New Testament. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I think it would be very similar to the NIV, which I understand is what we've got there. James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, grant it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, double, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heart than it withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fail to fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. My focus this morning is around the verse in the serenity prayer relating to God granting you the wisdom and my focus this morning particularly as it relates to this text is around verse 5 and I would like to just read it again that if anyone lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him we thank the Lord for these readings this morning and pray that he would bless us in his teachings. Amen. I don't know if many of you might have encountered this way of learning that's often used in the modern day world today. It's called mind mapping. But it's often used as a technique to get a better understanding of a subject at hand a problem it could be, or a situation. And really what it equates to is sitting down as a, as a group, or you can do it by yourself, and brainstorming the subject at hand. And what you do is you take one word, and then from this particular word, you build out almost like a, a tree of words that relate to this particular word. And as you go through it, so you get a better understanding of the subject at hand. It's a pity I don't have a whiteboard here because I could explain it more visually, 
but I'll do it with my hands. So for example, if I wanted to study something like the Stormers rugby team, what I would do is I would go and I would write this big name Stormers in the middle of the board, okay? And then from there, I would start pulling out words of what the Stormers might mean to me. And essentially it would go something like this. So you have Stormers in the middle, and the first word that I know of that springs to me is rugby team. So I would draw a little arrow or a little line and encircle rugby team. And then the next thing is, well, what does a rugby team consist of? So from rugby team, I would go to 15 players and draw a little circle around that. And then maybe from the 15 players, I would move out and name the players. And let's say one of them is Skulk Berger, well, I'd write his name down. And so if you go back and take a look at it, you would be able to know at the end of the day that Skulk Berger is a rugby player who plays for the Stormers. And so you've gathered a little bit of information. Now, if I was to, to brainstorm that for the Stormers rugby team, I would probably end up with a, a piece of paper about the size of this banner with all the information that I could have gathered. If I did the same thing, for example, for the side that I support, which is the Lions, I would probably end up with a piece of paper that size. <laughs> but that's the way it goes. But when we take something similar and we, or we do the similar thing for mothers, and in fact fathers as well, we would start off doing something very similar with mother in the middle, and then you'd move out to maybe something like wife, and then to children, and then you'd start getting into these attributes that a mother has of, of loving and caring and teaching and counseling. And so you build this picture of a mother. And I want to say to you, you could carry on so much that instead of filling a banner this size, you'd probably battle to find space to fill a wall of this size in terms of what a mother does for us and in terms of what a mother means to us. And yet sadly today, I do believe, or I think anyway, that there are more people, maybe more children, and who pay greater attention to the stormers than they do actually to their mothers. And it is a sad state of the world. And it is something that we should really look into and do something about. But as you expand, as you expand on, the, on a mother and you use all these attributes that a mother has, you'll find that there's very often several common threads that run through these wonderful roles that a mother fulfills. And one of the common threads that runs is the need for wisdom. In fact, to fulfill all of the responsibility of a mother or a father has, 
We need an abundance of wisdom. And if we look at it scripturally, this need to have wisdom is absolutely uh, filtered throughout scripture. If we look at our children themselves, very often we don't think that they come to us for wisdom. But I want to say to you, when, when the rubber hits the road, nine times out of ten, the child is going to end up at the parent. And in all likelihood, that the first point of call is going to end up with mom. I think somehow children instinctively think, well, mom has all the answers and she certainly has the gateway through to dad. And so they come to mom and they filter through mom and mom then will transfer the issue to dad. Except in those instances where, where daughter has had an argument with boyfriend and she wants dad to go sort boyfriend out, <laughs> then it's straight to dad. But nine times out of ten, and I think it's because the woman is the homemaker of the home, that the kids come to mom for wisdom. But as I said to you, wisdom is very much so something that is extremely scriptural. And it can be traced right back that the need for wisdom, and God's wisdom in particular, can be traced right back to the creation. Where God, in his creation of Adam and Eve, suggested that they do not eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, this self-gained knowledge, but always come to him in the Garden of Eden. And yet the people chose elsewhere, seeking, or Adam and Eve chose elsewhere, seeking this wisdom that they could gain for themselves by eating of the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. Jesus himself, we often see him throughout the scriptures sending, spending so much time with God in prayer. And I'm sure that in those wonderful sessions that he was in prayer with his father, there were wisdom being shared amongst each other, amongst both of them although both are of God. But it's through some of this wisdom that we see some of the, the most profound teachings arise from Jesus. And perhaps the one that, that really struck me as I pulled together in the scriptures was that in Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7, where he speaks of God's wise plan, of God's plan to bring us into the glories of of heaven and he says it is a wise plan in this morning scripture James the author speaks to us of God's wisdom and he tells us all about it and if you read even further on in James 3 and verse 17 and 18 James expands on what this actual wisdom is all about or the qualities of this wisdom and as we start reading into this God-imparted wisdom that James is speaking about, I ask myself, why is it that we do not tap enough into it? And in fact, in the Serenity Prayer series that you folk are currently going through, there is this clear request of grant, 
prayer request in prayer to grant you the wisdom to know the difference. But the question is, how often are we praying to God to ask Him to grant us this wisdom to know the difference? And how much so do we do this as modern-day parents, as mothers, as fathers, as grandparents, who are faced with a whole variety of decisions and dilemmas, and where we are caught up between having to make absolutely fundamental decisions that will impact on us. I sat down yesterday morning and I said, what are some of the decisions that we have? What are the, some of the, the more common ones that we have? And I noted some of them. Some of those decisions are ranging from deep interpersonal relationships that we have. Interpersonal relationships that go deep into our hearts and they are not easily able to share amongst friends or amongst family. But this wisdom to deal with them is offered to us through God. Some of the decisions we face is our children's lifestyles. And whether their lifestyles of the modern world aligns to your lifestyles today. And I want to say in bringing out teenagers, this is a challenging decision as to what do you have to tell them. Where do, you need to, where do you need to put your foot down and where don't you? Many of the decisions, ethical decisions we might face in the workplace. What about the decisions that as you get closer to retirement, when do I retire? Or when is enough enough? What do I need to let go of to change my life? What do I need to let go of to survive? And I think the one that I battle with most is that one that, I don't know if you've seen the bangle where many people used to wear it, is what would Jesus do? And often I've looked at that bangle and said, well, what would Jesus do? And I'm still not certain in many instances, and so one has to go back and seek God's wisdom. James does not provide answers, but if we step back and look and listen to what he says, you'll find that he can summarize what he's saying in this particular verse 5 in, in one sentence. In summary, he's saying, guys, you need to let go, and you need to let God. When you are faced with decisions, seek God's wisdom. You let go, hand it over to him, and you let God. I think there are many things in this particular verse that we often overlook, or we neglect, or we even ignore. And I really want to say to you that when you open them up, when you accept them and apply them in your lives, you will begin to realize how much you are missing out 
on a life that is fulfilled with the wisdom of God. Let's look at each briefly. James starts off by saying, if you lack wisdom. Well, this to me was, was an absolute wonderful starting point of wisdom. In fact, it's wisdom in itself. The wisdom to acknowledge the need to receive God's wisdom. In Jesus' very, very early teachings in the Beatitudes, what does Jesus teach on first? He says, blessed are those who are poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And essentially, in a very quick summary, what he's saying is if we acknowledge our poverty of spirit, we are blessed because then we will seek God. And so if we acknowledge our need for God's wisdom, that is a wonderful starting point because we will seek it. And essentially what James is saying here is that wisdom, wisdom cannot be bought. That is the true wisdom of God. You can read many books and they may assist you in gaining wisdom, but true wisdom cannot be bought. True wisdom cannot be earned, and it cannot be invented. But wisdom is given by God, and you need to ask for it. But do acknowledge one thing, that the granting of this wisdom is not going to happen with absolute neon lights. Yes, it might well happen, but it's not going to, generally doesn't happen with neon lights and happen immediately. It sometimes does. But it will be granted to you by God, within God's wisdom, and within the wisdom of His time to enable you to deal with that particular situation you have. That's faith. And I want to assure you that His communications to you could come in the most unexpected ways, in different ways, but that you will receive that wisdom. His guidance could be gradual. And in fact, Trevor Hudson in his book on the serenity of prayer uses or shares an example where he suggests that God generally gives us sufficient wisdom that we need to deal with the situation that we have at that point in time. He uses an example and he says it's like walking on a path. And God lights up that path for you up until that point where you get to the next place and you need to ask God for another revelation of His wisdom. And so He takes you on that journey, imparting wisdom to you as you go along. And it's in this journey that you will receive that wisdom, that there are things that you cannot change, and that there are things in your life
that you can also change. But that the one thing that you need to be assured of always is that God is always walking with you. And so I encourage you that if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. Which takes me to the next point in this particular verse where it says, when God grants his wisdom, it is granted liberally. And then comes these two wonderful words, and it is without reproach. This verse is confirmation to us that God gives all we need, or certainly for that point in time, as was fulfilled on the cross with God's abundant love, and so it is with wisdom. We will receive wisdom in abundance, an abundance that we cannot imagine. For this is what love is all about. God's love reaching out to you with all he has. And this is further confirmed by this statement without resentment or without reproach. As we saw on the cross, when we saw our sins were forgiven, they were forgiven completely. No matter how bad or no matter how significant they, would be, they had been, we are forgiven completely and there's no subsequent reminder. God does not come back to us and say, I have not completely forgotten about that sin. But when you are forgiven, so you are forgiven completely. And so it is with this plea for wisdom. God is saying to you that there is nothing too big or too shameful to ask wisdom for. Do not fear asking me, is what he is saying. Many people may treat these words flippantly. But I ask you to think back to your childhood. How many times did you not fear asking your parents something for the fear of looking stupid? Or the fear of being brought into judgment. It's something that we struggle with, I think, very often. But God says, when you ask me for wisdom, there will be no reproach. What more could you want? What more could you want than to, to bring your Pandora's box of life to God? And ask him for wisdom. And you walk away with a box of God's wisdom. Yes, you can go to God with confidence. Talk of knowing the difference. How different is this to, different is this to our human experience when we relate to each other? This response of God in itself is a reminder to us of, of how we should handle many of our dilemmas because many of them are actually interpersonal or in fact personal to ourselves. Can we handle them with reproach? If we have made a call in life and it's been a genuine call and we've made it on the decisions that we had at that point in time, 
you've made it in faith, I encourage you. You made it based on the circumstances at that point in time. So do not continue to suppress yourself about it. But take hold of it and move forward. As Christians, many of the decisions that we make would hopefully have been made with God's wisdom. And so we are stepping forward in his guidance. And this leads me to the next point. James gives us this wonderful news. But he does also remind us that when we ask for wisdom, we need to ask for it in faith. Be sure that you really expect God to tell you. When you ask him, be sure that you expect God to tell you. Trevor Hudson says, ask and know it is asked and leave the rest to God. And I want to emphasize here that we are speaking about asking for wisdom and not personal benefit or personal gain. I emphasize this because sometimes the answer may not align with what we think. And this is where conflict starts occurring. We become unsettled, very much so like the waves of the sea that James refers to, that is driven by the wind, and you get uncertain, and so doubt begins to arise in your hearts. And furthermore, if you are not going to respond to God's wisdom, why ask him? So be sure that when you ask God that you can receive the answer in full knowledge that no matter what it is, you will know that it is the right way because it comes from the all-wise God. That's often easily said than done. How do you know it is God speaking? It's probably what is going through your mind at the moment. And I think it's a fair question to ask. And it requires the principle of accepting that you have asked the question. You have asked the question now in faith. And so you need to go through a mode switch. And you now have to switch from saying that bit has been done. And now I need to start listening. Paying attention to what is going on in your lives. Paying attention to what is going on in your minds and, and that that is going on in your hearts. And very often this in itself creates confusion. And it's something to, that is very difficult to deal with. But I want to encourage you to take note of these. In fact, if I could encourage you in one thing is to start keeping a, a personal journal. That when you've asked God this question, start writing down these things that are in your heart, that is in your mind, the circumstances that you experience in your life. Start writing down those promptings. You know, I often find it when I'm 
When I preach or I'm going to preach, you're driving to work and you get these promptings from God. Say this. You know those promptings that you get when God is speaking to you. Write them down. Write down your feelings and your experiences for this is the spirit at work. And then every now and then, reflect back. Go back and read what you've written. And I want to ensure you that you will find that there is a path that is coming to light that is leading you towards the decision that you need to take. In my calling to local preacher, this is the one way that I discerned this. Somebody said to me, keep a journal. And I kept a journal. And I want to say to you, I had absolute certainty at the end of the day that I was going in the right direction. I've sadly stopped keeping my journal. But I'll tell you what, I miss it big time for the influence that it makes on my life. And I would really, really encourage you to keep a journal. Trevor again in his book on the serenity prayer speaks of how the Quakers handle this question about God's wisdom and how they receive it. And he uses this example, he says that after asking God for wisdom, what they would do is they would go back and check the Bible for the question against which they were asking wisdom for, if it was there. And obviously if the question excuse me, is answered for the Bi from the Bible, they would go forth. And yes, that is absolutely spot on right. In fact, all of this is right. And if it was not there, they would do exactly what we've just said. They would go and record it and get their promptings and feelings and see what was going on inside of them and through prayer they would distill God's direction. But he speaks of another way. He says what they would also do is they would take the situation at hand over which they've got these two decisions and they would reflect on living with the situation as it was. So they would start off by living with the situation as it was. And then what they would do is they would let it fade away. They would let it disappear slowly from their minds. And as it faded away, they would record their feelings and how they felt about it. Likewise, they would do the same thing for the situation that they thought might need change. And again, they would write it down and reflect on it and, and meditate on it. And then they would let it fade away. And they would record their feelings as to what was happening. And thereafter they would assess which of the two created the deepest peace. Acknowledging, and this is so important, acknowledging that as people of the faith, that God would always lead them in the path of greater peace. And so they would then, through that way, discern God's wisdom. Moms, particularly today, but as I say, it also applies to dads. What a wonderful job you have done in fulfilling your roles and responsibilities. I think that very often you've been through circumstances 
that may have pushed you off the rails, that it may have forced you onto your knees, and may have said to yourself, what have I done? How could I have done this? But the truth is, you've been mom, and you've loved the best you can. For instinctively, the love of a mother is absolutely amazing. And it is made so much more amazing when one looks at the size of the role that you have to fulfill. You need God's wisdom more and more. As children and husbands, we praise you for that today. And we encourage you to receive the gift of serenity to allow God's wisdom to guide your lives fully. And yes, you, you may have received flowers or will receive flowers later today. You may receive chocolates. You may receive tea and cake and lunch. You may not receive anything and that would really be sad. But the greatest gift that we can give you is a prayer that God's serenity enfolds you fully, fully. And you will know the wisdom of God. And that you will have complete assurance today that you've been a great mother. And so we pray as men, our prayer to you this morning is Lord give us the wisdom to love our wives and to love our mothers as you desire and give our wives and moms the wisdom and the reminder to seek God's wisdom as they know so well they need. And we thank God with all our hearts for this wonderful promise of wisdom without reproach. So take hold of it today. May today be a very blessed day for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.